Welcome to Huge Quickly Podcast. I'm Danny. Good evening, Rebecca. Hi, Danny. So glad you could be here. Happy to be here. And I'm so happy to welcome our guest this week, uh, YouTube sensation Nicole, also known as uh, Springbok ASMR. How Hi. are you? <laughs> I'm so happy you could be on. It's so it's kind of surreal. I've it's probably sort of creepy, but I've I've listened to quite a few <laughs> of your videos now and. Uh, <laughs> I've literally fallen asleep to one of your videos, kind of doing some research, and uh, so... No, um, that's, that's great. That's Thank you. That's the idea, right? <laughs> so, for those people out there, and I'm guessing it's probably a majority that don't know, it's uh, it's called ASMR, and could you maybe tell us a little bit of what it is, kind of what it's all about? So, um, ASMR is an initialism uh, for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, which sounds quite heady um and i guess in a way it is um <laughs> it is just a, i mean really it's just the the way we refer to uh tingles that's what people call them colloquially tw- tingles in like if you've ever tried one of those really weird looking head massagers at a mall um that have all those different tines or different little kind of metal fingers coming down mm-hmm. and you sort of run it up and down your scalp and your whole body sort of starts to tingle starting at your scalp and down your spine um that's what asmr feels like to people um and it's just a really really nice relaxed sensation not everybody uh experiences it and rebecca may know something about this um <sighs> idea of neurodiversity that maybe there are people who can experience things that other people maybe don't um, yeah. that our minds work differently so um but to some people uh who don't actually experience that they still experience a level of relaxation with different kinds of triggers as you might watching bob ross paint or uh, mr rogers feeding his fish <laughs> so <laughs> That's definitely why I go to the mall is for the massage <laughs> The triggers. mall is the only reason. It's not for the shopping. I'll tell you what. I don't get any triggers from going in and shopping. That's so interesting. Um, did like when did you sort of realize that a you you I, I'm assuming you get this response. You must. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so <laughs> you when did you kind of realize a that this was sort of something that you kind of experienced, and then also when did you start actually watching ASMR, or how'd you even find it? So it's something I um, experienced well before I I can really remember um, or far, far before I ever had a term for it, obviously, which is uh, how it is with most of us. It started um, just listening to a really soft-spoken substitute teacher um, way back in elementary school. And a lot of people will share that it was around that time, you know, maybe a babysitter or um, watching someone do an art project. So, yeah, it was something that happened to me always. Um, I joke about this in one of my videos that in college, I found a dry cleaner that could um, really trigger it. It's just a very calm <laughs> old man. And I dry cleaned all kinds of clothes that did not need to be dry cleaned. <laughs> and it's not... Dry, dry cleaning is not cheap. Um, I don't know what kind of magic they work on your clothes, but it's not cheap. But I would do it just to get ASMR for a few minutes um, when I picked up my clothes. You're so. like, wait, I don't have anything to pick up. Are you sure? Or yeah, like, yeah. It's just like, like yeah, I should have really just made up names or fake orders, but I really just paid for dry cleaning, um, and I did feel a little bit dirty about that. <laughs> um, anyway, that's that's creepy. Um, but in any case. Uh, a couple of years ago, maybe about actually about three years ago now, my brother, who is we are very similar, and he um, he brought up the sensation that again that most people don't have a word for, um, and he said, "Do you ever feel this?" And I said, "Yeah, all the time." And I've asked people my whole life, like, "Do you feel this?" And they say, "I have no idea what you're talking about." And he said, "Did you know that on Reddit there's this whole community for they call it ASMR?" Um, and I didn't know. I've been on Reddit for years and years and years, and um, so I went there, and my life kind of changed. <laughs> it, it, it was in, in really kind of silly, frivolous ways, but also in really big ways, too. Uh, the very first video I watched was Visual Sounds 1. Uh, her name is Jenny, and she does a face painting uh, role play, and it, it was amazing. It changed my life, and she's a really wonderful girl, so as as is everyone in the community. There's lots of great people. So, yeah. 
<laughs> Rebecca, were you into like the Bob Ross, uh, you know, Mr. Rogers thing for the for the tingles, or were you just there for the paint tips? I think it was just. I mean, it was mostly for the paint, for sure. <laughs> Um, so I, I kind of like I've read up on it and I've watched your videos and I've seen some of the other ones too. But so my question is for the ASMR experience, uh, it's all sorts of like sensory input, right? Like I know I realize for, um, for YouTube, it's obviously a lot of visual and, um, auditory, but what about tactile? This is, um, again, you know, going back to the fact that it's very different for, for everyone. Um, and so you know, it's different and it's the same, I'm sure, but mm-hmm. people have different triggers. Uh, and I happen to think that a lot of it has to do with expectation. If something has triggered me in the past, if someone has triggered me in the past, um, then those same stimuli will be very likely to trigger me again. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is about um, being open to it and expecting that it will have that effect. Uh, so that's one part of it, just what you're familiar with. For me, my first triggers, a lot of them were going to the library. Um, so pages turning, people writing things. Um, those sounds to me are very stimulating. But yeah, also I think um, this is more difficult for me to determine um, because so much of my experience is with YouTube. Um, but in real life, of course, there's all different senses. So uh, some people talk about uh, visuals being very, very, very important to their stimulation of ASMR. Some people say it's not even really a factor. Um, and so, yeah, the, I mean, we don't have much data. We have a lot of anecdotal information about ASMR. Um, so to me, um, I'm sure it, it enhances, you know, if I can like touch, like if I can touch something soft and then it makes a really nice sound, um, that's obviously much more of a dimensional experience. Um, but in terms of understanding other people's ASMR, uh, it's that those are some of the things I'm curious about because we can't really exercise them via YouTube. Um, and I'm, so I'm, I'm quite interested to see what, you know, does smell enhance it, um, does touch. I'm sure that they at least enhance the experience itself. I'm not exactly sure how they correspond to the exact feeling of tingles, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I I uh, don't really think that I get a response like that. Yeah. But yeah. there's there's something about it that's just so comforting and like just nice. I don't know. It's weird. Like I I turned one on and you know just like went to sleep and you think that maybe you'd, you'd I don't know that you would like actually listen to it and pay attention. And sometimes you can, but all of a sudden I just woke up and it's like, my phone was, was at 1%. And you know, I was like, Oh my God, what happened? I've been uh, lulled to sleep here. It's, it's really strange. And I also was kind of thinking about it. And I, like I have listened to some, a lot of times at work, especially I'll have YouTube up, but I'm not watching YouTube. I'll just listen to, and it's for a lot of stuff, a lot, you know, a game review or whatever it's just this like listening to a podcast but i realized that like there were several quite a few videos that i just kind of found myself just kind of wanting to watch again that weren't labeled asmr but that's kind of why i was listening to them is because they're just so pleasant to listen to there's like this random cell phone review that i they'd be like why is he interested in the motorola droid from 2009 <laughs> i don't know it's really strange so it seems just to have a a calming, so calming effect so I, I did a little bit of research um, in terms of like the neurochemistry and what it's actually doing to your brain, which is really cool. And so a lot of the, and as you said, there's not a whole lot of like actual scientific fact, but it's a lot more anecdotal. And so I was reading something like it was an opinion piece on a neuroscientist who uh, was talking about, it'd be great to like get somebody like in an fMRI scanner. We can actually see like which areas of their brain are lighting up and the people that do experiences versus don't, which I think would be so cool to see. Yeah, that's the that's the dream. Um, the the issue again, as a scientist, um, which might sound familiar to you, is the study and the problem they've had over the years trying to understand cats and purring. Right. Um, <laughs> purring should be a very simple thing to understand, and you know, empirically, most of us have an idea of what a cat purring means. But um, in terms of again, uh, just 
anecdote versus data. It took a long time to really study and figure it out, and so they still are because it's pretty hard to get cats to purr when they're in a laboratory, you know. And so that's that's one of the challenges we have. Um, you have to be very comfortable. Some people say they experience ASMR most when they're very tired or when they're very cold or when they're feeling very safe. For some people, they say, you know, being very drunk helps or um, <laughs> being very... Um, enhanced <laughs> by uh, mm-hmm. certain substances <laughs> that I believe are legal in both our states now. Yes. Uh, congratulations. And um, <laughs> I, but yeah, so, so it's, um again, it's a little bit hard to say, but I do think that feeling familiar and feeling safe is important. Uh, so I think understanding what's actually happening in the brain and charting that magnetically, um, I can't wait for when they do. But I, I, th- I think that there's a lot of difficulties, you know, to work out first. Right. So. Yeah. And kind of like trying to quantify that. I know, um, at least in like the literature that I was reading, they were uh, essentially like um, comparing it to synesthesia. Where, yes, exactly. Yeah. That's, it's a really, really what good example. That? Um, that's sort of where like you, like there's something that should be perceived by one sense and you sort of get it in another so like yeah kind of pavlovian even yeah exactly so like if you if like colors like sort of like have like a specific like special meaning or like like letters just like have this like weird connotation where it sort of crosses your senses Hmm. um but it's really hard to actually study scientifically and quantify um which they didn't really start doing until recently and there is scientific evidence for it but before it was really all anecdotal it's funny. Um, that's where um, the, it's so funny what can what can become a controversy. Um, but people take on ASMR and call it a controversy um, for the same. The example you gave was really really good one because um, well even I, I mentioned neurodiversity earlier, but there are things where you know just because um, just because you've never experienced something that's not an argument for whether or not that thing exists for someone else. Um, I had, this is really personal, so, (laughs) and really gross. Um, but I had, I got a kidney stone when I was like 22, um, which was like, you know, I I always associate like 70 year olds with, with kidney stones. So just, it, it was, it was terrible and weird. Um, you're a freak. Yeah, I'm a total, I'm a freak. And it was, but it was awful. I'm not a huge whiner, but it was bad. And probably my whole building knew how bad it was because I was just <laughs> oh, in I agony. Heard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but when I when you try to explain what it feels like to someone else, you know, it's like, I don't know. It feels like the end of the world. It's awful. Um, right. But, you know, you can't quite explain it. If you've never had a kidney stone, mm-hmm. you can't imagine what it feels like. But it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You haven't had a migraine. Um, yeah. And, of course, there are pleasurable things. Um, like... Okay, well, I mentioned drugs before. I've actually never done any. <laughs> um, just too much of a goody-goody growing up. But, it, mm-hmm. like, so somebody trying to explain to me maybe what it feels like to be high off of a drug, you know, they can explain it, but it's not going to replicate the experience for right. me. Yeah, and absolutely. That's that's really easy to accept. That's really everything I've just said is so common sense. But for some reason, people want to say that, you know, people come on my channel, people come on other people's channels, and they say, this is so stupid, this is a hoax, it doesn't exist. Like, and nobody is saying, you know, you have to believe in it or not. It's not Santa Claus, you know. It's, mm-hmm. um, uh, but, but just existing and not being very well understood becomes controversial, which huh. is kind of fascinating yeah, in that, and of itself. That's so. interesting. So do you have a lot of people, like, reaching out to you and responding, either, like, positively sharing their experiences with you or like sort of what is the, like their stimuli that sets them off versus you know the sort of people that say this isn't a real thing i, I would say um to give it an exact number 99 percent oh no <laughs> I, I i am very lucky i was really really terrified to put up my first video um because it's the internet yeah. <laughs> um and uh and yeah, it's scary. Um, people will get in the funniest flame wars. Um, but anyhow, the response I've, I've gotten has been tremendously kind and um, helpful. Mm-hmm. And I'm a really sensitive person, um, which can be really, really troubling. I need to 
toughen up all the time. Um, and so I get scared. You know, I get really scared. But no, I get I get hundreds of comments on each video. Um, but each day via Reddit, via YouTube, via my blog, um, just in personal messages, not in comments, I got I get about fifty letters a day. Wow. Um, and I would say nearly all of them are not just positive, but extremely personal, extremely genuine. Um, and they almost all of them make me cry. I <laughs> I sit through and I can't just. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I sit and I read and I cry, usually happy tears, you know, but it's like hearing what ASMR does for people. Well, it, it's more than just um, this great feeling because people use it in place of, of other. Um, I mean, we seek pleasure response from a lot of things, but most of those things have a cost, whether it's a hangover, whether it's a lifestyle change, um, whether it's going to hurt our body or hurt our wallet or whatever. So, uh, so having something where we can get pleasure without any kind of cost and we can do that for ourselves when we want to is really gorgeous. So yeah, I've gotten so much good response. And so the few, the very few people who kind of want to get into arguments about really insipid things, it doesn't, you know, it's more than anything, it's just funny. (laughs) I get some really, really funny stuff. So it's kind of amusing. (laughs) Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. How long, you said you've been doing them for about six months. And yeah, like how many, yes. how many, how many downloads are you getting on, on your episodes these days? Um, well, downloads, um, views, you know, whatever. yeah, views, it depends. I just hit, I should, I think today I just hit 60,000 subscribers. So, and that's 60,000 subscribers in about six months, which has been great. Um, I have about five and a half million views. Um, but each video totally depends within the first week, usually 30 to 60,000. Um, and then some of them got to 300,000 or more, whatever. Uh, it just depends. Just like our podcast episodes, Rebecca. Oh, exactly. That's about our listenership. Yeah, exactly. No, so I'm just kidding. are there, are there certain things like, are there certain topics that tend to be more popular? that just going to hit more. Absolutely. Um, and sometimes that's a, well, that's a double-edged sword because if I want to talk about something like uh, some some of the things I'm passionate about, like um, I really am interested in rhetoric and rhetorical theory. Um, I'm also very interested in Formula One racing and uh, those videos, for example. So if I put up a video about Formula One racing, I get a lot of overspill um, from people who are actually just looking up wanting to learn about Formula One, not ASMR. <laughs> Uh-huh. That can be a really great thing um, because it can bring in new people. Um, and as uh, Dan was saying earlier, it's not not all people watch ASMR just for for ASMR. They do it as an override to whatever white noise is going on in their head, whether that's while well, you're trying to work and focus and you just you want to have something in the background or when you're trying to sleep or whenever it is. So um, anyhow, some people who don't get ASMR can still get joy from it. And that's why, like, Bob Ross was so, so popular. Um, and anyhow, so if I do something like that, th- there's keywords that will just hit, you know, and I get I get crossover. Mm-hmm. The bad part of that is, you know, it does introduce new people, but it also introduces people that are like, what is this? And then a lot of swearing <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of that you know a lot of accusations um (laughs) because you have this large listenership now i mean you really kind of have a lot of people probably to sort of answer to like do you feel a lot of pressure to make people happy and like do you have to do you worry too much about what people are going to like or do you just kind of do what you want to do or how do you balance that i worried in the beginning um i've i i take i had a really really level way of receiving criticism where every single piece of criticism, even if it was just completely ad hominem attacking me um, for no reason, and this is just throughout life, uh, or if it was really constructive criticism and feedback, my whole life, they've been leveled to me. I take them all the same way, which is very personally, (laughs) and I feel them very deeply. So in the beginning, I was doing that. Um, and so somebody would say, you can't do it this way. You, you don't know what you're doing. You can't do this. You can't do that. Oh, she's too dumb. She's so stupid, whatever it is. Um, and 
I that doesn't would sound take, so sweet. That doesn't sound nice. That's really sweet. No, but it came it came with much. It, that's embedded in a whole lot of love and a lot of constructive feedback. But at that time, like I said, I received it all in the same way. Over time, I learned that um, you know it's well, it's like playing a video game. Not every enemy is, <laughs> deserves as much of your effort, and so that's a good um, point. yeah. Yeah, so some of the some of the really silly stuff that I thought people some people believe there is a correct way to do ASMR. People will um, put each other down and deride each other all the time. Some people say ASMR should should not have and but I'm sorry, I'm using ASMR synonymously with ASMR videos. So what I'm talking about is the videos. Some people will say these videos shouldn't have green screen. These videos shouldn't have any kind of special effects. Um, no layered sounds. You know, people who consider themselves purists. And other people are exactly the opposite. ASMR should teach you something. It should be an adventure. It should be this or that. So there's a lot of should. There's a lot of ought and a lot of have to. It has to be this way. Um, But I got through that pretty quickly uh, and realized that when I'm really feeling good about making a video, when I'm in the middle of it and just feeling very, very happy, feeling love, and I can really feel like I'm near somebody, you know, I really do often feel like I'm really talking to someone, um, just one person at a time. And, uh, and those videos come out the best, um, and tend to get, get the most. So there are really popular sort of tropes and there are very popular types of videos. Like people ask me all the time, can you do a cranial nerve examination? Can you do this and that? And, um, you know, I want to. I listen to what people want for sure all the time because um, I want to make my viewers happy. But I also know that when I'm talking about things that I'm passionate about, it comes across better. So, you know, when I got asked to do a cranial nerve exam a lot, I did um, a Cylon detector role play, which was sort of Battlestar Galactica themed, just because, it, I don't know, it felt more more personal and fun for me to do um, than something I know really nothing about. So, yeah, I tried it. Right now, I try to do it um, my way, thinking of the fact that the reason I have my viewers is because I have a lot in common with them. Uh, I feel like I have a lot in common with a lot of these people, and so I feel more confident that way. So um, it seems like there's sort of a... I, I heard you mention that you were kind of planning a sort of a bit of an educational kind of side project sort of and you obviously seem very well read and some of the topics you bring up in your videos are very high level and I feel a little bit dumb um but <laughs> but um uh what's the you, are you kind of part of it seems to be that you actually are teaching people things and you're kind of wanting to um give people some some new just new information, things they wouldn't really think about. I mean, like you said earlier, rhetoric, you know, just like this whole, this big topic that I was like barely even really understanding, but what's your, what's your background? You're obviously very intelligent and what's your, what's your educational background? Um, I, all I have is a BA. Um, I, I went to school. Only a BA. (laughs) I studied, um, I studied writing and publishing and, uh, and I, if, if I could, uh, I would be a permanent student. I really always wanted to get my PhD in rhetoric, um, but school is so expensive. Um, and so I ended up just freelance writing for a long time, um, which is really enjoyable. But uh, yeah, the, you, you definitely flatter me. Um, I, I, uh, I like to talk, like I said, about the things that interest me. Um, but I'm also aware of a balance, which is there are some uh, call them content creators or ASM artists is sort of what the community calls them. There are some content creators who I watch who do not give me ASMR proper. Um, I don't get the actual tingles from, but I still listen to because it's calming and interesting. Uh, one of them is called The French Whisperer, and I love him. He basically, every one of his videos is sort of a quite general um, talk about something specific. So um, it's they're great introductions to all kinds of things, whether it's a painting, whether it's talking about something that happened in history, and I love them. I just love them. But if I'm stimulated too much, uh, I tend not to get tingles. I have an idea that um, mastery is a big part of it, uh, and 
mastery can work two ways. Um, mastery can mean that somebody is sort of a didact and they're teaching about something specific. So like my videos on rhetoric. Um, which I, I try to at least keep them somewhat general still so that they're not too, you know, they don't get too uh, encumbered in, in the language and that kind of thing. Um, but then there's also mastery of somebody doing something very simple that they've done again and again and again. Some people get uh, triggered by their manicurist or their hairstylist or their dry cleaner. <laughs> and, um, and that's because uh, we have a way of talking when we are comfortable with something. Now, if it's something we've done again and again and again, and that's why we have mastery of it, because it's simple, but it's familiar, we talk in sort of a monotone. And sometimes we talk to ourselves a little bit like, okay, let's see about this and that, and here you go, okay. You know, and it's very, um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit south of how we normally talk. It's very, very casual. Um, if we're talking about something when we're teaching, uh, I know I especially assume a deeper vocal posture and I talk uh, probably a little bit more theatrically um, and I have more affectation in my voice. I stress certain words purposefully. So that's a little north of or a little elevated from the way we normally talk. One thing we we know or we we think we know about ASMR is that people are triggered by what is not totally normal. So if people have different ways of speaking, like accents or dialects, or if people say words in ways we don't expect them to, uh, we become more triggered. Something inside us pays more attention, and I think that's got to have something to do with empathy or curiosity. In any case, it's a really long-winded way of saying that mastery on high and low levels contributes, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make, does that make sense so far? Yeah, no, it absolutely does. So, but uh, it kind of makes me wonder, so what's your, what's your plan um, with, I mean, you obviously have a lot of followers and you, you know, are doing well at what you're doing. And so the education part, which is awesome, uh, it's great, but do you have anything beyond that? You just keep making videos? I have a lot. Um, I have a lot planned. Um, I am, uh, as was mentioned, I am actually starting uh, what's meant to be an entire kind of course, a class, on Mm -hmm. just very general about the English language so that we can sort of jump around to, uh, to all different Things. You know, we, we, can, we can talk about rhetoric, we can talk about literature and poetry, but um, we can also talk about comic books and uh, we can talk about the way people talk to each other on the Internet and all kinds of things. I'm excited about it. Um, and my hope is that it will sort of be that crossover between you can listen to it and feel good because you're relaxing or you can feel like you're also feeling your relaxation time with a little bit of learning Mm -hmm. um and i just think it'll be fun and people have expressed a really large interest in it so that's something i'm working on i also have um i have a lot of interest in mobility i think that asmr should be very mobile (laughs) so i'm working on ways of uh of allowing people to have it more mobile in their lives so that you know they can have asmr if they're at chemotherapy or they can have ASMR if they're on their airplane getting a little scared. Um, so I'm working on different ways of maybe um, allowing people to download and take it with them. And then I'm also working on some really big projects that have to do with charity. I think that ASMR does a lot actually for people already, uh, just as it is. Uh, but it's very important to me uh, to utilize it to really, really give back in direct ways. So there's a couple organizations I'm working with, and very soon I'm going to be rolling out some, I think, creative and effective ways to use ASMR, not just to directly help the person listening to it, but to benefit other people who may be dealing with some of the same issues and anxieties, um, like drug addiction, mental illness, loss and all of those kinds of things, PTSD. I'm really excited about that. Um, that's my biggest goal, honestly, and I hope I'll be able to directly show what I'm talking about very soon. Have you, have you, it seems like it just makes perfect sense to make it into a podcast. 
have you i mean <laughs> you know i don't i mean i kind of maybe uh am a proponent of podcasting uh, being a listen podcaster. not everyone can have a podcast you've oh, got to have true. a personality <laughs> it's true speaking true, of the latter <laughs> it seems perfect though um because you don't well i guess it's hard to know but um do you have do you get any sense of what percentage of your your viewers slash listeners are are there just like they put in the headphones and cl- and shut their eyes and they're listening to it versus the actually the visual is important to them and they would it would be not the same if it was a podcast. That's something I wonder about, um, and I do get feedback on it, uh, and I also places like Reddit, uh, the ASMR communities there are very instructive because I can I can read what people have to say there as well. Um, and so I try things like that. I tried, I tried to track. I'm very serious about tracking those things, but in terms of actual numbers, your guess is, is as good as, as mine. Um, I, I suppose I tried to educate that guess for me. I know personally that I used to think it was only uh, about the audio and then I realized uh, you may have heard of or experienced ASMR immunity, <laughs> where uh, you start to build up immunity if you listen to ASMR videos every single night. Hmm. Likely, eventually, you'll start to develop immunity toward it, which is oh, it's it's a total bummer. I hate it. Yeah, um, that's interesting. How long does yeah. that take? Uh, How uh, it's different, different for everyone. Okay. Huh. Uh, mine can last a real long time though, which is a bummer. Um, so I watch like I, I've always watched old TV. Right now I'm I've seen them all a million times, but I watch Alfred Hitchcock Presents. I just listen to it when I try to fall asleep because the ASMR isn't working for me currently. <laughs> but anyway, people develop it, um, and so I used to think that. You know, visual didn't matter to me. But now sometimes when I start to develop that immunity, I'll turn, I'll, I'll watch the video as well, and it helps. So for me, it does play a part, a small part, but it plays a part I know now. And so for some people, they'll say it, they have to have visual. I do some videos without any visual, um, and a lot of people vocalize that they want the visual. Uh, so I've heard... I've heard both ways, and again, I just have to believe that a lot of it is expectation. If you've been able to be triggered without sound before, uh, I'm certain you'll be able to be triggered, or I'm sorry, without video. If you've been triggered without video before and are used to it, that's great. But I do think that the video for a lot of people plays a part, uh, but that, you know, that's something to study. It's something to look into. Very Absolutely. Yeah. It's the scientist in me. This is this is killing me. I want to know why, you know, like what's the interaction between the visual and the auditory and, you know, why is there this difference, but like from person to person, I don't know, like which brain centers are lighting up. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's interesting. And I think that, that for me, the most interesting curiosity is what's the evolutionary purpose of it. And I do love to say, and this sounds really hokey, but I do like to say that, you know, it's nice that our body gives us a reward for listening and for for sort of letting our guard down with one another. Um, like, there are animals who will clean each other. You know, they groom each other. Um, and I like to believe that, you know, uh, like my cats, they still like to be pet. And I think in a lot of ways it reminds them of, of being groomed because they stretch out their, their claws. And, of course, we know little kitties <laughs> stretch their claws to stimulate their mommy's um, you know, mm-hmm. milk feeders. <laughs> I'm a really big prude. You are kind of a goody too. Yeah, yeah totally. it's terrible. Um, but you know, and so, so we know that there are these sort of, there's these reasons why we should have these pleasure responses from interacting with each other in certain ways. I do believe it has a lot to do with empathy. I believe that there may be a dopamine connection. Um, you know, if, if someone yawns near me, my response is often to yawn in return, even if I 
don't feel tired. And they find this happens more often with empathetic people and sensitive types. And so, yeah, I'm extremely interested in, I mean, obviously the, uh, the neuroscience is probably way, way, way above me, but, um, I'm, I'm quite interested in, in socially why, you know, why, what is the purpose of this? And is it something that we're evolving into or evolving away from? And it's fascinating. What's interesting to me, just thinking, this is changing gears just a little bit, but thinking about just the actual effect that it has on people, like, you know, people love this podcast. They want the next episode, but of they're course. not like banging on the door because they <laughs> so need their fix. I'm not, I want it yeah. yesterday. Uh, <laughs> you are too kind. I had no idea. I had no idea. But, you know, it's almost like now you're, you have this group of people that are sort of I mean, you can't, I guess you can't say they're addicted, but they're kind of, they think that they need it to go to sleep, right? There's probably a lot of people like that. And there's kind of, that's got to add more pressure to actually just put them out more, you know, (laughs) often and that they're good. And it almost seems like a little bit of a stress, which is kind of ironic. (laughs) I, I always say that, um, you know, there, there's any kind of a, any kind of a uh, job or vocation, which you know, more and more making ASMR videos is a big part of my life now. Um, and there are parts of anything that aren't fun. <laughs> and for me, some of that can be the technical aspect, but some of it can also be that uh, I'm very hard on myself. And I often feel if I'm not living up to what people need or want from me, I feel, I feel very sad about that. Um, and that's something that, uh, this is another interesting thing, but we talk about how ASMR helps the creators as well. And so it's definitely helped me <laughs> with those kinds of things. But yeah, there's that pressure. Um, talking about addiction is interesting because uh, there is there are people, I, there was an article that came out this week and I'm terrible because I, I can't give you the citation I don't remember. Someone was saying how dangerous ASMR was because people watch ASMR and they call it therapy. And that's so funny because people call getting a massage therapy, you know. People might call, uh, like, going out for coffee with a friend therapy. Um, and this person's assumption was that by calling it therapy or by using it, in fact, as a way of therapy, this person's assumption that was not stated, but the assumption they were obviously making was that people would use it instead of therapy. Um, So if someone has PTSD, for example, which is really, really close to my, uh, to my heart. um, If somebody has something like that, if somebody has gone through abuse or violence in their life, then, you know, it is not sufficient (laughs) to just listen to ASMR. Um, But, if that's part of it, if that's part of someone's healing, if that's part of someone's comfort, you know, that's fantastic. And so, um, yeah, addiction is a scary thing. But uh, the biggest thing that worries us about addiction are the consequences of it. So um, as far as I know, ASMR really doesn't have um, direct (laughs) consequences. Uh, With that said, I lost a really, really wonderful boyfriend in college to World of Warcraft. And (laughs) so, you know, it's a a big problem. Oh my goodness. He he was like big man on campus too. He, that, that kid never graduated. Really? (laughs) Anyway, um, there was actually an intervention we had to have with his professor. So world of Warcraft may not, you know, seem nefarious, but at the same time, uh, well, I don't think it would at first glance, but I've been around it enough to know. And some friends of mine, yes, it is bad. Uh, I don't recommend it, it for anyone. Are they friends of yours, Danny? <laughs> I mean, yeah, they were they were raiding buddies. No, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, Shen yeah. got really into it. Not 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 that he's in that category, but he played it a lot, and he's but, talked before about how he kind of like, oh, I can't believe I'm still playing it, or he's like, oh, I shouldn't still be playing this. You but, know, it's a weird. Yeah, but not to call you out, Danny, but didn't you have a semester of weakness? <laughs> All right, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to talk I'm about doing it. this publicly. <laughs> <laughs> but if we're um, going to talk about personal experiences, when I I will say that when I got the game, I Personally. was I was home for Christmas break, 
Uh-huh. And it was like my dear mother somehow didn't care. She was great about it. But I went home. <laughs> I locked myself in my room and I played for like 15 hours a day for the whole week. And then I left oh and she God. probably was like, I've lost my son. Yeah. No, I have worse. I, you know, World of Warcraft, Blizzard actually, you know, talking about the brain. They, st- I mean, they study. I, I shouldn't say this. I'm not going to say this about Blizzard because someone might come knocking on my door. Let's just say that there are certain developers who do study the way the human mind works and they study how oh, addiction totally works. and like, like like what stimuli are really going to set you off and like bring you back to it and everything like that it's yeah. the same thing with like with gambling sure. yeah. you know and like yeah. which stimuli like uh, you can't you just can't step away you keep and going it, it's the same with doritos doritos, doritos. <laughs> <laughs> you know how gambling and doritos are so has so much in common um but they've you know they've at the same time that's really imaginary <laughs> Yeah. They've engineered exactly the amount of um, taste stimulation that will keep you wanting to eat, but that won't over-exercise your taste mm-hmm. buds so that, that you sense. don't stop eating. And so I actually have a lot of um, friends in the gaming industry. I actually started out as a gaming journalist, and so I love video games. And so please know I am not I am not putting down World of Warcraft. Um, I, have, I have spent... I can't even tell you how much of my life I've spent mm-hmm. playing video games. This is no, this it's is really it's, putting it's, anyone down. It's really not a put down for the game. It's it's the ultimate compliment. It's like you cannot yeah, get I mean, enough. Yeah. It's too good. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's perfectly engineered. You, you played some WoW, didn't you? No, I. Oh, you were a big Counter Strike. No, I. I had such a crush on this guy in freshman year. Who was super into Counter Strike? So I spent a lot of time sitting well, on the sofa. You- I'm sorry, sitting on the futon behind him, watching him play Counter Strike. I've heard you say that you were playing. I'll bet you're good at Counter Strike. I was awful. No, he would like set up like a like a little map little for lamb. me, and oh. it was like all like, like the ghosts in there. That's yeah, cute though. No, he was yeah, he was trying to get me into it, and I was just abysmal. I couldn't do it. Well, that game is, was. Really pretty tough. I love that game forever. But if you were bad, you were just you weren't going to get one kill. You were yeah. going to get murdered. Oh, no, it's true. Yeah. You, there's sort of a threshold for fun there. You have to have sort of the right amount of skill. Um, but <laughs> you know, I, I think that I will say for people who get really into WoW, I've gotten into games that are engineered to be way less addicting. That I shouldn't. I mean, like I've I've talked about this before. Left for Dead oh, um, was a game yeah, that came game. out, and I um, actually have friends at Valve, so. <laughs> I oh, cool. I love love all of Valve, but Left 4 Dead technically shouldn't have been that captivating for the amount of um, let's let's not talk in terms of years or months or days, but <laughs> you know, the amount of time uh, I played on that game um, because it, because you just just like with WoW, there's other people who you play with and they sort of count on you like, hey guys, we're we're going again, right? One more just just oh, yeah. one more game. Mm-hmm. It's four in the morning, and it's like, yeah, all right, all right, I'll do it, you know. So. I, I I love video games. I think they're, I mean, I know, one of my I, favorite things in life. <laughs> I've, I've made fun of myself on here many times, and mm-hmm. I have to admit, I'm still playing uh, World of Tanks. Yes. Oh, uh, I didn't want to call you out for it, but I'm so glad That's you admitted okay. it. I, I, I have actually dedicated time to Goat Simulator, so that's, I mean, wow. you know. What's what's worse? Okay, I just- <laughs> Nicole. You know, uh, just I could thought I'd just run this idea by you because last mm-hmm. podcast we had, I came. I thought I just came up with a b- unbelievable idea for a game, and it's taking advantage <laughs> of all the little kind of side games that people like. And I think Amazon could come out with Amazon <laughs> Prime. You can fly. You can drive the trains. You can deliver the packages. It's an Amazon you Prime simulator, right? Think I about like it, it because it. all those games already exist. People are yeah. way into ta- uh, like a, a train game, train yeah. uh, conductor, whatever. That's like a yeah. Okay, people uh, love The Sims. They love all the Sims games. Sure, they're, you're right. They're, I've yeah. seen. I've seen. You know, it, it probably could could trigger some people, but there's. I remember seeing a, a little review of like Delivery Man Five or something, and you're in like a very well done very realistic semi truck that's like taking cargo to the next town or something you know and you're like following traffic very closely and i'm like this is so funny like amazon needs to figure out how to get an oculus rift going and actually drive these trucks around because people want to do it for nothing let me say though that one of the most challenging games of all time in my book is paperboy um i don't remember which one but paperboy is hard and 
that's a game about delivering papers. Um, <laughs> so you know, there's there's a market there. There's actually there are actually game developer games. You know, where you play as a game developer <laughs> developing games. So yeah, we've uh, there's some inception going on there. Yeah. It's mm. it's everything. I mean, really, really, and and gamification is something I'm super interested in. That um, that all kinds of companies and well, not just companies, but there's even therapy. You know, gamification is really, really helpful. I tell my subscribers, you know, drink drink lots of water and think of it like a, a tonic or a tincture. Uh-huh. You know, level up. Mm-hmm. So it's powerful. Well, the, I mean, like the whole, the whole crowdsourcing aspect of uh, video games. I, as a scientist, I have to put in my plug. Um, the whole thing about uh, like the games that are designed to like figure out protein structure. Because you know the sequence, but it's like the lowest energy folding and like how like the protein is actually made. It's so cool. And uh, like computers can process this and it takes forever because you have to try all these confirmations. When you crowdsource and when you make it into a game, like where you like can get the highest number of points and you challenge it, it's actually way more effective than letting the computer just process it on its own. And there's been a couple of publications like um, I think the HIV virus or like one of the proteins that it affects and like one of those like misfoldings or something like that. It's so cool where you can just like, I mean, you crowdsource and there's these publications that are, um, you know, like hundreds and hundreds of people and all these people that played the, the online game that solved this problem. Interesting. And then you can target it. Yeah. For therapy. It's so cool. Well, it's fascinating and useful. (laughs) Yeah. It just reminds me actually, I just saw a website today. It's not exactly the same, but it's called, uh, well, it's I actually forget exactly what it's called, but it's a game where it's like a data science. It's not game. It's a site where they put up all these problems, and it's and you have a big data set available to you, and then it's just a challenge. It's more of a challenge, but yet there's a leaderboard. You get points for submitting. Yeah, responses. so people get competitive about yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting stuff because I'm kind of interested in data science. I might try to go down the data science road, but it's stuff like you know, based on this data, can you predict you know what, what's uh, if there's a particular like like there was one where there was um, number of people using a bike share program mm-hmm. and you had all these different uh, variables and you had tons of data and it's like all right so now the question is based on a particular day can you guess how many people are going to use this this service and it's like they run it a million times and figure out who's the closest and they've got a leaderboard you can submit so and I'm like, like wow. this is a way to learn too because yeah. then you have to go figure out well how am I it's just a, it's a level so it's like how everyone have like models and like like different yeah. sort of like ways to like fair Factor in the variables and everything. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, then you can. There's you know, there's a forum based on each question, so you can see how people are going about it. Uh-huh. You can get a uh, a lot of them are sort of sample where they'll give you the full tutorial with videos, and you know, people will blog about it. And it's it's uh-huh. all sort of crowdsourced because people are doing it on their own because they get excited for themselves that they did it. So they go through the whole process of explaining it to everyone else, and now it just moves on. And these things are harder and harder, and you're actually solving potentially real world problems yeah. and learning how to do it at the same time and having fun. It's like, yeah, that's the that's the killer combo. There's a. It reminds me of. Oh, I can't think of what it's called now. It's a really simple term, but you know when you have to verify that you're a human for a website re. Right. Uh, oh yeah, it's the, like the recapture thing. Yeah, recapture. Uh-huh. Yeah, that there was a version of that that they were actually using to help transcribe. Uh, literature that yeah. um, I think that's yeah. like the the real recapture that's what I yeah, yeah that's what I heard fascinating. I it's cool yeah because like all the stuff that you see like on the recapture is actually uh stuff that's because Google Books was trying to scan all these books exactly. and incorporate them and so the stuff that they can't scan or can't quite transcribe that's what gets into put into the recapture See, yep, the thing is, is that I suck at remembering passwords, so I have to key those things in a thousand times. Cause I have to, Danny, you're uh, just helping all of us out. I know, they you're love people like me. I'm like a good. whale to them. Greater you good. You're the greater good whale. Uh, that was my problem earlier with Skype. I'm so fed up with it. You know, someone needs to come up with a better program that just manages all your passwords. Because every t- I use some, some stuff you don't use a lot, and I can't remember that. That's why you just There's, save it all on your computer. There's mm. one I use. It's a like, master password or something like that i've heard of that it's so effective i can't even remember well see see that's the problem the (laughs) part of the problem of why you're not remembering is kind of just laziness and then also the (laughs) the steps you could take to solve it also are plagued by laziness it's training (laughs) i don't know i mean i don't know anybody in my family's phone number Oh, I, I don't, don't either. I I don't even know my parents' home number. I used yeah. to know it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, before cell phones, and then they changed it. Like they got mm. on like VoIP or something like that. Yeah. I I don't know. I think I could probably guess it 
given like five tries, but I wouldn't know how to call my parents if I didn't have my cell phone. Yeah, it's actually I, have, I have no idea what to do. I mean, no numbers in my head. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I can remember though, and my kids these days won't have this, of course. But I remember all the all my friends' Youngins. numbers when I was a kid, like because you you know you called yeah. their landline. Yeah. I remember yeah. those. I remember those, like a couple of them. I remember my grandma's. It's and it's never changed. It's yeah. the most yeah. comforting number. Like, but I, I remember the shape of it. You know, because yeah, like, yeah, how you type it in. Maybe that goes back to a sin. synesthesia yeah Yeah, like that whole like the tactile thing it's so funny because like i have friends who like um like if you ask for a number like when we used to memorize it could like kind of like dial it out in the air and like know the shape of it and then they could figure it out yeah no i know people like that who are extremely visual and if Mm -hmm. they've been somewhere they can get there again and like just yeah it's it's not exactly how i think i think in a really narrative way but i i'm kind of envious of it it's the same principle behind having a mind palace or a um right it's a it's a yeah. you know, memory technique it's it's interesting yeah exactly um i can't do that either but like i know, I know. yeah like Sher- sherlock benedict <laughs> <to it. laughs> absolutely he has his mind palace Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, have <laughs> I have I have one friend who's so good at directions and we always uh like if it's like a group of us like uh he knows where we are how do we get back mm-hmm. <laughs> you and have it's one. easy to get lazy just like just exactly. like having a computer if you have someone who can do that it's like they'll figure it out or having gps i mean i lived in the same i've lived here for three years now and i still use gps and we're not a big city I should I should know this by now, and I'm so embarrassed. Well, it's just a nice crutch. A lot of times, I'm like, I generally know how to go, but why not? Maybe it can shave me thirty seconds. I know, you know? but like three years, I should know better. <laughs> we if live I, in a, it's a grid system. Can, if I can mention spelling really quickly, um, I think I'll a lot of it. people are. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so so spelling is is actually. A, quite difficult for people um there there are words that are even difficult for for me to spell um and english is not an easy language to spell but (laughs) i wanted to say this because it was a comment i got the other day uh somebody i had used the word triumvirate in one of my (laughs) videos um and sometimes when i'm doing my videos i'll say something like i'll say a word and it sounds really nice the way it comes out. There's either a plosive or there's mm-hmm. some, something in the musicality of the word that sounds nice. So I'll just repeat it. And I said, that's a nice word. Triumvirate. I really like that word. <laughs> so, so a guy, um, he left a comment saying, triumphant is not a word. The word is triumphant. There's not an extra R in it. Since you said you, quote, unquote, really like the word, I thought I'd let you know. Smiley face. And it was kind of funny um, because immediately a lot of people told him she's saying the word triumvirate, which is a word. Uh, But it is uh, kind of an example of um, I have nothing against bad spellers because I I am one uh, in my own way. But uh, we were talking before about expectation. And I think a lot of people see, you know, um, will they see a a blonde girl (laughs) and they just think, like, I gotta tell her what's what, you know? So it was sort of a charming yeah. part of my week. It's kind of a um, mansplain, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm glad that was charming to you. But it's it funny, was, it's it funny was... that you bring up the, the word thing, though, because I think, like, that is like a, that seems like a very relatable thing of, like, a visual to tactile thing. Like, you know, there's a lot of people that have words that they just hate. Yes, mm. they do. Moist. 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 Exactly. Moist that's what it's like. Why? Why, Rebecca? Why is that? Well, that's not really my word. What is it? Um, I just mean like words. what? What in the brain is getting? I don't know. It's um, like for me, let's see. I really just like the word sheath. Really? Yeah. yeah. Sheath? I just don't like it. Oh, you don't like oh, it. You oh, don't I don't like it. it. No, oh, okay. I like it. <laughs> yeah, we differ sheath. there. I'm so, I'm sorry. This no. is going to get messy. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. No, uh-huh. I I I applaud you because the words that I don't like, I cannot even say. I can't say them. Um, so, Say um, like it won't happen, and my friends will actually torture me um, yeah. if they figure out of course what they are. Um, <laughs> so you're way, way, way better than I am. But I will say, um, I'm quite interested in sounds, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that is a really, really good point of synthesis. That sounds do have texture, mm-hmm. and for some people, there are um, plosives. There are some people who. Um, 
in poetry we call assonance or consonance. Right. If there's similar sounds throughout, that can be really, really helpful. Um, there is a really popular uh, activity in ASMR circles of saying uh, SK together, sk, sk, mm-hmm. sk, sk, like that. Um, that really, really, really triggers people. Um, and so I'm quite interested in it. I think that, again, it does go back to uh, sometimes if we're surprised by the way a word sounds or if it's really uh, pronounced. And I believe that's because most of us speak very casually. Um, in the Pacific Northwest, I think you both know that people tend to drop their diphthongs. <laughs> that, <laughs> that doesn't... Excuse me? Out of context, <laughs> that sounds like a wild sentence. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, Very so, casual. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll say a lot of words that are actually spelled differently the same. We sort of have uniform ways of saying vowels and diphthongs. Right. Um, and, you know, and a lot of Americans would say something like the word marry, to get married, and to uh, the name Mary. <laughs> and we would say them the same way. And so I think for me, um, people always talk about yeah. my accent. Um, I don't think I, I, I don't really, you know, everyone has an accent. But I think part of it is because I tend to pronounce um, some of my diphthongs more than other people. And there's certain sounds that I tend to maybe pronounce more than other people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like T's together. People always make fun of me when I say words like kitten or like button. Yeah, people that's, that's uncommon. Um, it's uncommon. And so uh, because of that, people are interested. But I watch a lot of um, old movies and old TV and things like that. Um, and I have to wonder if maybe it's not influenced from uh, when our dialect was a bit more formal. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, it's a little less common now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, co- what we're used to, it's interesting because we need familiarity emotionally to experience ASMR. This is just my assumption. But we also need some element of something foreign. Accents work really, really well for me. Um, so that's an interesting um, combination and paradox, at least one that I'm interested in. So. Yeah. It's funny. It sort of just reminded me, actually. I drove back from Washington this weekend with my grandma, her oh. sweet lady. Shout out, grandma. And we, we were talking about how we both, we actually kind of have a lot in common, which is funny. But we both like Rear Window. Oh, I love that movie. And oh, such I mean, a it's movie. like it's one of my favorites. Yeah. And I was talking about how I just think it's so interesting that Grace Kelly in that movie you know, she kind of speaks like this and she's sort of, it's not British, but she's just kind of like, oh, Thorwald couldn't be a killer. Yeah, but it's like more like and, upper crust and you have Jimmy Stewart. But, but what accent is that? Did we just get really lazy and informal? Like what accent is that? Kind but of, it's, but I mean, like if you talk about the like British um, accents, like you have the posh accent there and then you have like more like the lower class, like, sure. and they have like different class. I mean, like, but don't you think that upper class American accent no longer exists really? Or am uh, I just hanging out no, with the wrong people? I don't know. Like we, for me, like I know there's like I'm from the South, and we have like a differentiation of Southern accents, and like you have like the old money South, and like that's that's more like the upper class accent versus you know like the more redneck accent. Sure. So I mean, I would still identify accents as like being more like upper class. So the actual, I think, I think one of the issues is context though, um, because the British have an accent that would be akin to our old Hollywood accent, Mm -hmm. um, which is called, uh, RP, RP, or, uh, it means received pronunciation, I believe RP. Um, and that is more like, you know, that's like, um, listening to you know people do Shakespeare um, or maybe to some degree Downton Abbey but it's not the way that people talk in England today or anywhere else um, but us you know our ears are less delicate to uh, you know what sounds like a more formal or informal accent over there and so we have the same thing it's kind of like our RP um, right. people in America there's uh, a really, really huge part of it was Stanislavski and method acting. Um, so much of our cues of how we act and certainly how we speak come from uh, TV and movies and radio in our country, especially. And so, uh, yeah, you can hear my cat scratching. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> anyway, he's wanting to be in on this. Um, but yeah, so, so um, you know, in my... It, 
in, if you watch old TV, uh, the old uh, acting before media really developed uh, the way it is today was for, for theater. And anyone who's ever done theater, you know, is usually taught to sort of over enunciate and practice, you know, their special uh, little vocal warm ups and things you do mm-hmm. so that you really, really enunciate and there's great diction. And, um, and so we, ha- we have that. And then there were people like Stanislavski that came along and we're like, that does not sound like how people talk. And even if you go back to the 90s and watch a movie and then watch a movie from today, a lot of times today people mumble in the movies because that's how we talk and that's what we believe. Uh, and so I really yeah, do believe genre. that. Was- <laughs> yeah, the mumblecore genre. Mumblecore, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Damn exactly. it, Lena Dunham. Oh, I know, it's, all, it's really all her fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's, but it's an interesting journey, you know, Very and... Yeah, but I just found myself just kind of like, ah, oh, just such class. I know. You know? Yeah, but then, Go but you have like Grace Kelly, but then you have Jimmy Stewart, you know, who has like his own his very drama. specific, yeah. yeah, way of talking. He had his own. He still, yeah, to this day, it's, <laughs> it's no one. It's no one's accent. Dick Van Dyke um, jokingly mm-hmm. had said that he felt really guilty um, in Mary Poppins. He. He, he he feels that he kind of invented the really horrible Cockney accent, the Cockney <laughs> Cockney, if yeah. you will, and he 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 felt bad about that later in life. He's like, I just made that up, you know, like I just made that. I shouldn't swear, but I just made that up, and uh, and then people adopted it and think that's how British people talk. <laughs> so you know, it's uh, we definitely. There's, there's right now. There's the LA vocal fry, which I just hate. I hate. Yeah, I was just gonna bring that uh, up, actually. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> there's a girl I watch. This is embarrassing in a way, but I watch Project Runway. Um, and uh, I'm guilty. That's not a bad one to watch. Are you all guilty? Um, I kind of, yeah, maybe. I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen more of the recent ones, but I can, it, uh, it's more like if I'm flipping through and I see it, I'm like. Okay. Oh, it's more yeah. like I'll we'll binge it on a Sunday on. and watch it's, the whole it's, season. It's, it's bingeable. It's bingeable. Uh-huh. But I do, I do. I'm interested in in fashion, and it's interesting. And um, anyway, they brought a girl back for the. You know, they have to have the all stars. Now everything has to have like three different versions. There's a kid of version, of an all star version, I saw a that version one. for dogs. Yeah, the kid yeah, version. <laughs> I was sort of creeped out. For one thing, the girls were so like polished and well spoken, but they looked like they were like 11, and, <laughs> and they were. I'm not talking like on the panel the so, girls are so young but yet they were like i don't know she was like 17 magazine editor or something she looked like she could be in sixth grade yeah the ones <laughs> where they bring in the children i actually have a problem with it and to relate it i w- there are some children that are starting to do asmr um which i feel I, I feel very um i care about them enough that i i hope they won't keep doing it um i any but anyway that that <sighs> Get kids away from what we're uh, saying. There's the the more important thing here, more important than the children, project runway. their well-being, <laughs> is the fact that I was going to talk about this girl I hate. <laughs> of course, this girl on Project Runway. She talks. She she's actually from I think from Portland. She's from Oregon. I'm pretty sure. And uh, and she has like you know the shaved panel in her head and stuff. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Her name Michelle Megan. It's Michelle. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Do you hear how do you hear my voice? It's, it's Michelle. Michelle. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've thought about this a lot. And she talks. She goes around talking about how she's anyone who uses the word edgy is suspect in my book. But she likes to talk about how edgy she is, you know, and how like she's an agent for Bakatur. Mm-hmm. And yet she talks like she's from LA. She's like um, I don't really uh, understand what she's doing, but I'm going to use this neon green because nobody will expect it. Um, everyone else's stuff just looks like potato sacks, but mine's a potato sack with a cutout in it. That's super cute. And I'm going to add fringe to it. And I just want to kill her. I mean, not really. I'm sure she's honestly a good person, but I don't understand. I know. It's a little much. But it's interesting, like, the just the judgments you make, because, like, when you slipped into that accent, I was like, ugh, stop. I don't care what you're saying. You know what? It's a little bit unfair. I think it's kind of sexist, but I I just don't really think guys get judged for it, because guys do it, but it doesn't doesn't really portray the same thing. Yeah, but if you, like, I mean, it's the whole thing with the Southern, like, the redneck accent. If you were talking in a redneck accent, I would probably... Oh, no. I, I mean just specifically vocal fry. 
Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. You kinda, it almost I is do, like a guy I, I thing. I do think that vocal fry, unfortunately for men, um, the stereotype is has a lot to do with sexuality. Um, and sometimes there's mm-hmm. a level of male. Um, it's not just the vocal fry; it's the vocal fry with the lisp that I was also just doing that Michelle Michelle does. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. I know she listens to this. So. She does. She, uh, yeah. she does. She just tweeted me actually. Yeah, oh, Michelle, giant listenership. Um, but I do think that a lot of times, unfortunately. Um, with with men people are like oh that guy's okay you know which is just again there's Mm, it's just a ridiculous thing um that any particular dialect or accent would have to do with sexuality and whether or not that matters but um i do think with with males there is still some assumption um but i also think i think you're right that with with females there's the stakes are higher because as a female, you know, with a guy, unfortunately, you can either be macho and machismo or, like I said, some people be like, oh, that guy's so good, you know, which um, are just ridiculous. Uh, but for women, there's this whole range of things that we can, you know, pretend is wrong with them. Um, and <laughs> like, like I said, I tend to speak um, fairly quietly and sort of, I don't know, I get some some pe- people might think like young and um, and some people will assume then that that is because I'm not intelligent because I'm very stupid. <laughs> and so the assumptions, like you, like you said, Rebecca, about you know southern accents, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also racial issues yeah. where some people uh, believe that they need to speak with a certain dialect in in order to be true to their race or their gender or their orientation or whatever it is. And then there are some people that feel they need to train it out of themselves in mm-hmm. order to be true and represent themselves um, as a valuable and respectable person. And so like, those those kinds of things are interesting. And so, yes, it isn't really fair of me to, uh, <laughs> to make fun of somebody's accent. But when I sense that it's heavily affected, when there's a lot of affectation to it, and it's done really deliberately, um, it's quite strange. So, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of strange. You know what's not strange? Audible. That's right, Audible, baby. <laughs> Get yourself a free audiobook, free two-week trial. AudibleTrial.com slash huge quickly. Um, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a delight. You're so great. Yeah, thank you so much. Take your, taking you. your time. Fun. And, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. It seems like there probably are a few naysayers in the bunch for the whole ASMR thing. It's very interesting, very kind of polarizing. But it seems like it's pretty undeniable that it's just a very positive effect there's so much negativity in the world and especially on youtube it's can be terrible and you know that probably as much as anybody but it's like you know you're what you're doing is just has such a positive effect so it's awesome and i hope you keep doing it and as long as you enjoy it so yeah and thanks for having me and i i know i can come off as a little sarcastic um (laughs) but i i really really appreciate being being on and um you know, I, I just want to say about ASMR and about positivity that uh, I think there's a real resistance to it in this day and age um, that, you know, being positive and seeking ways to feel better um, might limit what people assume is your level of intelligence or skepticism. Um, and so when people do go into ASMR, I always like to remind them that, you know, a lot of what we talk about and do, it does seem maybe... Um, you know, very positive, but it's not oblivious to the world. It's very relevant. Um, it's it's just this understanding of wanting to listen to each other and wanting to feel sort of near and intimate with one another and really, I think, in a really pure and innocent kind of way. Um, and so I welcome anyone to, to listen to it. And I'm really excited to find out um, more on the the science and Rebecca of, of you know where we go with it honestly and, and what we find out so it's really exciting and yeah get back to us Rebecca yeah, let yeah. us know I get on it Rebecca okay um, all right yeah and, come on um, yeah unsheath your wisdom for us and, um, no but thank you guys very much you're both really delightful to talk to so oh, thank you thank you so much okay bye everybody.